Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast podcast for your regularly scheduled episode of Stat Nerd Thursday. I'm Matt Harmon, joined every week. Well, we weren't together last week, actually, Dalton Deldon, so uh, it's been a while since we've talked. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, Matt. Uh, without question, I'm coming off the uh, craziest five days of football of my life. I'm uh, still alive in a $6 million Vegas survivor pool. You're forced to, to, to use the Thanksgiving slate so on the bears early thursday morning was just crazy i mean life and death and then 75 percent of the pool went out on the cowboys later that day and then we used the falcons you had to turn around this week and it was just really slim pickings and we went with the falcons so i mean cordero patterson is uh, i mean not all heroes wear capes i mean mv (laughs) patterson i mean the man just came through i just found out that their backup punter got special teams player of the week I mean, it's just they're calling it the team of destiny, Harmon. Just 28 people left. 28 people left. Six million dollars. Oh, my God. Uh, that's amazing. That is amazing. For one. Um, what teams do you ha- we have to talk about it? What teams do you have like left to pick from? Yeah, so it's Arizona's available. The Jets. I'm that's sorry. The, the Eagles are available. The banged up um, obviously hurts. Um, yeah. But we do not have uh, Tampa Bay or the, the Colts or the Chiefs available. So it's going to be another. Another, you know, sweating it out, man. These telling you it's actually been unbearable in all honesty. It's not even fun. Uh, It's like the Niners watching the Niners in the Super Bowl is honestly like not even comparable to these last two (laughs) these games. I mean, it's bad. The kids have had to leave the house. I mean, honestly, it's just it'll be a relief when it's all over at this point. It's just too much involved. It's just too much. I mean, it's 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 seriously it's too much. Anyway, how you been, man? How you doing? How how was your holidays? I mean, for God's sakes, I wasn't waking up at, you know, uh, the crack of dawn Pacific time to sweat up, uh, sweat of Andy Dalton, you know, so I'm, I guess I was doing better than you, pal. Jared Goff was highly questionable and he's throwing a 50 yard touchdown immediately. So not only was he playing, that, oh, uh, but his, but his oblique looked fine. <laughs> so I was like the worst. It was the horrible, but man, yeah. So it's a, anyway, it's a cr- crazy weekend. That's and then tough. the, and then I haven't paid so close attention to the. The, the Falcons since the Dirty Birds uh, days. And even Pitts was shut down. So wild stuff, yeah. man. But anyway, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, Thanksgiving was awesome. Love Thanksgiving every single year. But Dalton, I was going to say, um, you know, we don't have much news to talk about, but we actually do have a breaking piece of news as you're about to start this. Dalton, Pete Carroll confirms that the Seahawks plan to sign Adrian Peterson. Oh, um, you're... <laughs> I like it. You're messing with me. I really was waiting. I keep refreshing. I don't see the news. Yeah. Okay. God. Yeah. AP. All right. Yeah. Huge. This will be the difference maker in the big battle for the Niners this weekend. 
Oh, my God. I mean, how the Seahawks are. It's a tough scene there in Seattle right now. Um, Listen, I was just on the Fantasy Pros podcast earlier this week, and we were, like, saying that Alex Collins is, like, the perfect example of a guy that, like, if you have to start Alex Collins, your team's in quite a bit of trouble. Um, And, like, he's a guy that you'd almost rather just, even though he's a starting running back on an NFL team, like, you should probably just drop him just because, like, you don't want to start him. Um, you shouldn't be in contention for that spot anyways. And there's probably like, you're better off holding like a Marlon Mack, you know, just in case there's like an injury to Jonathan Taylor than you are, you know, hopefully like your RB four or five as Alex Collins or whatever. Now, like he's, he's going to get the Adrian Peterson treatment. Like forget that. I mean, this Seattle team is just in so much trouble. I was tempted to rank DJ Dallas ahead of Collins anyway, just because he gets all the targets and he might get a few goal line carries too. So yeah, it's just a mess there. And it seems like Seattle and Kansas City, it's really interesting. It's proving that if you can't run the football, no matter how good your receivers and quarterback is, it's a, it's a problem on offense. I think Seattle's got a few more problems than just that, but um, your, po- your point is right Fair there. Fair enough. I, I mean, yeah, Russell I think- Wilson, yeah, no question. Yeah, we'll talk. I, I got a stat on uh, the Seahawks later, so we'll talk about them. But like the Bills are a great example of that sort of team that like, yeah, they can't run the ball. And I think that's a problem for them. You know, uh, if these teams that will just invite them to run the ball and then like, you know, you just can't do it. So, yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. That is like the overarching, I think, overarching lesson uh, of the of the NFL this year, I think, is that you got to have some sort of threat to run the ball. But I get. I mean, it's it's. It, we'll see with Seattle. I do, no, you don't care about Peterson at all. I don't care about. No, Peterson. not at all. Not at all. No, I mean, no. he couldn't. No, I mean, look at the the the, the Titans running backs are like thriving without him there. So no, no. Yeah, no interest there. No interest. Um. Well, without much big news besides uh, you know, a future Hall of Famer signing with his thirtieth NFL team, there's not too much to discuss. So uh, we can just get right into Niners talk before we do our stats here. Um, Trey Sermon hurt tough scene i mean it couldn't possibly go any worse i really think today like if you just tell yourself you know if, if anyone gives a, a fantasy analyst grief about trey sermon i feel like you're you've kind of jumped the shark like just pretend that eli mitchell is trey sermon and like i wasn't in on trey sermon because i'm like man i think trey sermon's a real good running but i don't could not care less about like how talented trey sermon is but like just tell yourself that elijah mitchell is trey sermon because like that's why we were in on trey sermon that he was like a theoretical talented rookie going into the best rushing ecosystem in the nfl so like that's that's really all you got to tell yourself if you were in on trey sermon i think this year is that fair yeah, I mean, in hindsight, you could say that Elijah Mitchell's speed works so much better. But I mean, it was Shanahan draft. It's trading up to draft Sermon. And it was, I mean, I follow the Niners and all the beat writers. And, and this took many by surprise. I mean, yes, I, yes yeah. it's just, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was I was personally drafting Sermon ahead of Mitchell everywhere. I mean, yeah, it's just, yep. you couldn't really see this one coming. But in hindsight, it's like, yeah, what were they doing? Drafting a much slower back, back ill-fitting. And he had this big injury-prone history throughout college too. But um, it's easier to say now for sure. If we had like, one inkling you know like one tiny inkling that like uh, one freaking camp report that oh eli mitchell might beat out trey sermon for the starting job we would have all never drafted trey sermon where he was going but we never got that so anyways that's old history whatever that's not really the important news the important news obviously is debo is going to be out one to two weeks who does this help more you know like because obviously jeff wilson maybe getting some more backfield work i kind of tend to doubt that like i don't think jeff wilson's looked great uh, all year Juwan Jennings I think might play more as like a big slot type of receiver um I know there's some talk that like oh Ayuk is just going to take the Debo role I don't think they're going to use him as like a running back you know like they've done 
he's a good player, like breaking tackles out in space, but he's more of like a freaky hoss, you know, like not really the same type of built like a running back type of guy like Debo Samuel is. I think those guys are, even though they're both good after the catch, I think they're very, very different players in the way that you deploy them. So obviously just more volume can go to Ayuk's way, but they already had started to trend more towards giving Ayuk the the top receiver, like quote wide receiver role. The guy's eleventh in receiving yards since week eight. Like we're back in business as as Brandon Ayuk truthers, I think. But De- De- Debo's role has changed so much that it kind of makes this hard to like hard to flip what's going to happen next. Yeah, it sucks. That Debo went down. Uh, I moved Elijah Mitchell up to my number three fantasy back this week. I mean, I think pretty sure consensus top 10 at this point, but third most rushing yards per game in the NFL this season yeah. and even finally saw targets last week. That's the key in and in a great matchup, at least on paper against the Seattle defense, hemorrhaging fantasy points to opposing backs. And yeah, no Debo. I really, really like Mitchell's setup there. But if you want to go a little deeper, yes, definitely more targets for Ayuk. Our guys looked far, far better lately. Really, really is looking good. And Juwan Jennings is uh, that big slot role that they really wanted Jalen Hurd or they finally released uh, to take oh. over and digging a little deeper. Seattle, for what it's worth, has been vulnerable to the slot lately. So Jennings is if you're looking for a real deep flyer and a nice setup for Kittle, who maybe gets some some more targets uh, with, with Debo out as well. Yeah, I'd imagine that Kittle is probably a sneaky beneficiary here. Again, it's it's tough because this is such a unique offense. Like the way everybody's deployed is so different than most players around the NFL. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it's really interesting to talk about this team, but it's tough. I I, I would imagine that like again, Kittle gets a boost, Ayuk gets a boost, and Mitchell gets a boost, and I don't know how much like. We're really spreading it down the depth chart beyond that. Like nobody, Debo Samuel might be the biggest unicorn in the NFL, like this side of Cordero Patterson, you know, like I think the way they deploy the, the way they deploy him, it's just so unique. Yeah, we saw you get some jet sweeps last year, but there's no way they're going to use him like they did Samuel. Um, forget where the tweet came from today, but I saw that Seattle is averaging like 18 to 19 fewer plays per game than their opponent this season. They're in their yes. possession. Pat Thorman, just, I, th- I think Pat okay. Thorman yeah, put that right. out yeah. from, yeah. from yeah. established the run. I yeah. saw that as well, and I was like, geez. It's insane. God, You're almighty. a total outlier. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, a theoretically a really nice setup for their opponents in, in fantasy terms. Well, let's just talk about that because my first, we can just go right into the stats here because this is an interesting matchup this week. Uh, as much as like, man, we're talking, we're pretty much all talking roses now with the 49ers, you know, like I did our survival kit video. We shot it this week and the subject is which team's NFL BS. You're not, um, you're not, I guess, you know what I mean? Uh, that you're most sick of uh, so a few people nominated the Niners as the team's BS that they were most sick of. I'm like, I'm kind of willing to forgive and forget. There was some frustration with the whole Niners thing, but like, we're feeling pretty good about them. They're one of the best offensive ecosystems really in the NFL right now. Seattle total other side of the coin dk metcalf averaging 8.1 yards per catch since week eight dk metcalf 8.1 yards per catch tyler lockett has at least been getting those deep shots 17.9 yards per catch since week eight but like what man where are we at with our our seahawks right now like the fantasy box score for russell wilson looks pretty good coming out of washington but let me tell you what that game was not good like that was a rough game to watch um, yeah, obviously Metcalf one catch in that game. Where where are we at with these guys right now? Addressing the 49ers fantasy criticism, they're also second in concentrated target tree. It's like perfect for yeah. fantasy. It's only targeting. They may not throw it a lot, but they're super efficient. Garoppolo 9.2 yards per attempt over the last five games was so super uh, efficient and really concentrated. So it works for fantasy. That was exactly what we said. That's what no. we said in the summer. Like it just, it, it took like seven weeks, uh, six or seven weeks to get there. But eventually we got to the exact team that we were 
basically projecting this summer. Again, if you just if you just pretend everybody said Elijah Mitchell and not Trey Sermon over the summer, it's the same team. I'm going to jinx it here. And by that, I mean, regression's going to hit. But they've also been historically good in red zone touchdown conversion this year, too. Like one of the best offenses in the last de- uh, two decades. Um, all right, back to the Seahawks. Uh, conversely, as far as that concentrated target tree, you'd think it would be there for the Seahawks. But this is the tweet from Ian Harditz. Lockett and Metcalf are averaging both exactly 6.9 targets per game this season. That's the 40th best in the NFL, how do you have Lockett and Metcalf ranked 40th in targets? Both of them. I mean, that that is truly insane. And that's on an average, too. So we're not even talking about the volume problem with them either. So, I mean, it is a volume problem, but I mean, this is a rate stat. So, yeah, I, it's it's a problem. Is it is it the, the finger? Is it as simple as that? I know early on they had to do the pistol formation a bunch more. Uh, obviously, accuracy issues. We could all see on Monday night. There was a couple just blatant misthrows. But yeah, then you get him in the hurry up at the end and it's same old Russell Wilson and they're nearly, I mean, I'm going crazy because two people in that survivor had Washington and I'm like, are you kidding me? A blocked extra point, two points the other way. This game was over. Their, their punter can't make a 28-yard field goal. I mean, really? Uh, anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, but yeah, they suddenly Russ turned into Russ, you know, at the end there and they, and they look good. So I am still like, man, this is a Hall of Famer. They're so good. And maybe just as a Niner fan watching this, this offense be so good for so long, I'm not ready to give up on them. But yeah, it's hard to argue. They don't look quote unquote broken right now yes um I think obviously the finger has to still be an issue you know he's he came back so early from a busted finger in his, in yeah. his throwing hand you know it's like we get it you're a miracle hero healer you rehab 19 hours a day blah 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 but like that's got to still be in some way affecting the process here I think that's part of it I also think like so the second thing here, I don't know which one is more of like a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory or like I'm just off the beaten path or I might be correct about this. But one, I don't really think Seattle passes the vibe check right now, you know, because you just think about these two teams and I know we're on a stat show. We're talking about the vibe check, like give me a break. But at the same time, you know, we know that there is a friction inside the building, I think, between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. It almost feels like or at least the philosophies of the two guys and where they want to go. And it feels like to me, it's almost like we're heading to no question towards a split between Pete and Russ and like the Seahawks will have to choose between one of the two. It feels like in a way I feel that just feels like a foregone conclusion at this point. Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like after Russell's whole thing last off season, that feels like that's going to be a thing. Also, Russ as a player he's just getting older and I think he's slower too. like beyond the whole finger thing, like he looks a little he just looks a step slower. He doesn't do quite the same like miraculous pocket move stuff. He hasn't really, whether he's like not being um, asked to, or he's not willing to, he doesn't really run anymore either. Uh, It's like all that scramble stuff's out of the book, which just makes sense as you get older. And then that compounds issues because, you know, the broadcast on Monday night was doing it uh, a pretty good job of highlighting these middle of the field throws that Russell was passing up for like the deep shots on the outside. Well, buddy, that's like the Russell Wilson playbook. Like he might be built like a, a oh, he's he's the next Drew Brees because he's small, but he has athleticism. He's never been that type of passer, you know, to like matriculate the offense down the middle of the field. So I think that's all of those. That issue is kind of compounding itself with the lack of athleticism. Plus, there's the bad vibe check. So I think there's just a lot going on with Seattle right now. And I don't know if it gets better.
Yeah, I have heard some argue that his game will not age particularly well. And obviously, mallet finger is uh, serious. But man, personally, I'm fascinated by the situation, how it, it plays out. Me because I, uh, I I, was one arguing that Russell Wilson's like one of the 10 best players ever. And, and it's the Seattle offense holding him back his raw stats from looking just like an obvious inner circle Hall of Famer. Um, and now suddenly this. And yeah, it's clear that there's going to be a separation at the end of this year. Now the USC job is not reopened, back reclosed. Um, I'm guessing uh, Russell Wilson moves on and it'll be quite interesting to see him go to say a Denver or whatnot but but yeah it's it's I did not see this coming just to the offense coming to such a screeching halt with with Metcalf and Lockett uh both healthy yeah that will be interesting too like Lockett and Metcalf with a different quarterback you know like Metcalf has actually seemed like he kind of enjoyed the uh the Geno days like <laughs> he said some couple of quotes or whatever out there that, that kind of indicates that so I don't know. That will be a really fascinating question to, to answer in the offseason, especially if like we're talking about Russell Wilson as a guy whose game is not going to age. Like some team is going to shell out for him. You'd think this offseason. And then what do you, are you? Are you buying him on the absolute? Like, are you buying the dip, but it ain't going to pull back up type of thing with old Russell Wilson? So we'll see about that. But yeah, I think you're probably still starting Metcalf and Lockett like the rest of the season. I think Lockett has been good enough volume wise and that chemistry is always there. So I think you probably are playing these guys the rest of the way. And there's no way they're running the ball in the Niners this week. They're going to have to throw. So I like, I like, I'm, I have both ranked as top 20 wide receivers this, this, you know, Josh Norman has seven forced fumbles this season. That's crazy. Peanut but, Tillman, Josh but, Norman. Yeah. But the, their secondary is very, very beatable. So I no, I, I would start yeah. both those receivers in this matchup, but they're not going to be able to run and they're, oh, maybe they'll pick up the pace too. So uh, yeah, I, I like, oh, I like both think. receivers still this week. Uh, yeah. Lockett had 96 yards immediately, then no catches after halftime. Yeah. Uh, Metcalf didn't have a target seemingly forever but um no I'm, I'm still giving them one more week to bounce back yeah i would agree um i mean it, they're probably just guys that like you don't have better options and i guess it's probably the way to say it one guy who might be a better option is darnell mooney who ranks second in target share among all wide receivers since week eight darnell mooney it's like not always efficient i think in that strength in that stretch he has like a 51 or 52 percent catch rate but if andy dalton gets another start like was Thanksgiving? I mean, you obviously watched every snap of <laughs> no. that game. Oh. <laughs> was Thanksgiving like a, uh, a a Matt Nagy redemption moment? Because like I kind of think this offense, you know, at least from a fantasy angle, from for the pass catchers, not not like we want Justin Fields to develop all that type of stuff, but like from the pass catcher from a fantasy angle, like maybe maybe Andy Dalton is better for these guys just where for where Justin Fields is right now. If Dalton gets another start. You know, we'll see with Allen Robinson or whatever. Uh, where is Darnell Mooney in like your rest of season rankings, really? I like him quite a bit. It's not just target share, which can be a little misleading. Like my guy, Devonta Smith, you know, if they don't throw the ball at all, it's great that he's getting a lot. But just pure volume, Mooney's seen 24 targets the last two weeks. Yeah. And I, I would agree that Dalton is better for his fantasy value right now. Um, uh, in the fearless forecast, I said, you know, regardless of Allen Robinson's status or who plays quarterback or even the matchup, I'm starting Mooney as a minimum, a wide receiver three. And if those other things go his way, he could be a top 20 guy. So, um, yeah, that's where I stand with him. I think he's started starting no matter what. And this, by the way, is a tough matchup against Arizona, and it might be like yeah. Justin Fields trying to return with minimal practice. So I get it. It might not be the best setup coming off three straight nice games, but Darnell Mooney is, is the real deal, and he's, he's, he looks fantastic. I, I, I love, love him moving forward. Packers, Vikings, Seahawks, Giants, Vikings again for Darnell Mooney after this game against the Cardinals. That's a pretty nice stretch, by the way. I can't believe there's six more games left. <laughs> 
can't believe there's longest season ever. <laughs> longest season ever. No question about that. Um, yeah, but Darnell Mooney, pretty good schedule there. Uh, we'll see. Maybe even Allen Robinson can get in a couple games here with old. Uh, not that I've got a lot of faith in that at this point. Tough scene there, but um, we'll see. Another wide receiver who's sort of bouncing back in this same span since week eight. Uh, Chase Claypool. 37.5% of the air yards in Pittsburgh since week eight. Deontay Johnson is at 39% with one more game in there. Obviously, Chase Claypool missed a little bit of time. <sighs> Dalton, the Chase Claypool thing is tough for me. You know, everybody keeps dropping in that Steelers passing game. You know, Juju hurt, obviously. Chase Claypool missed, like I said, a, a game. Pat Fryermuth, you know, got in the concussion protocol late. We'll see if he can um, get back out there this week. I don't, where are you at? Like Chase Claypool's got the usage metrics on his side, you know, um, but I don't think he's played particularly well this year. Um, I know obviously Ben, like he's just shooting prayers to Chase Claypool on the uh, right side of the field there down the sideline. It's probably not happening, but I don't know. I'm a little tempted to say that like Chase Claypool is still a guy you want to be starting uh, for the upside going forward. You adjust for a pwned over the last six weeks or so, and the Ravens have been like the second best fantasy matchup for quarterbacks. It's uh, and they're not going to be able to run the ball at all. So if you wanted to hold your nose, uh, bet on a bounce back here with the Steelers. I I could kind of see it, but hopefully these guys these guys got to be healthy. Chase Claypool has apparently been dealing with a bad case of turf toe. Uh, I'm just shocked that yeah. he, the touchdowns haven't been there. Forget the yards. Um, this guy had 11 total touchdowns as a rookie, and I believe just one this year. Uh, part of the problem is, uh, get this, Fryermuth has more targets inside the five-yard line over the last five games than any tight ends have all season. So, I mean, it's just when you get in the red zone, it's just been all, all Fryermuth, who did return to practice. So I guess he is going to play this week. That would have been definitely a bump for Claypool, if not. So I think in this matchup, when everyone's down on Pittsburgh, you want to go ugly DFS, go Big Ben, go Claypool. And um, obviously, Dante Johnson is basically the safest fantasy receiver on the planet right now, given his volume. I know, yeah. They're like used in completely different ways, right? Because uh, Claypool, the, the air yards are the same, but like how they get to those air yards are pretty different. Um, just so much volume for Deontay. He's just such a good player. Am I crazy uh, for but, saying that going ugly? I mean, the Ravens are giving, they're getting shredded, man. I mean, but then again, yeah. is the Ravens offense going to be able to score either? That's another problem, too. Maybe this is just, it's a low over under, and maybe it's just super just gets ugly. But I mean, Roethlisberger does, you know, he does look pretty bad. Kind of sneak. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Ben obviously looks bad. We, there's no there's no doubt about that no doubting that <laughs> um but like the Steelers quietly have been a pretty decent matchup for running backs of late you know obviously Joe Mixon just shredded them but they're like I think 31st in EPA per rush attempt allowed since week eight um or they're at least in the bottom five last I checked uh I can pull it up as we're talking but yeah like they're they're they've actually sneaky been like a pretty good matchup for run defense obviously you know, Devontae Freeman's not about to come out there and like establish the run on the old uh, on the on the Steelers there, but obviously Lamar Jackson can have some of that success there. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I yeah, I no. Like Watt Watts got COVID. I feel like this is both yeah. offenses are due to bounce back. I get the divisional, you know, defensive battle. Forty four is the over under. I wouldn't be shocked if this turns into a surprising yeah. shootout. Yeah, 29th, by the way, Steelers EPA per rush attempt allowed since week eight. Like, they've had some bad – obviously, Austin Eckler had a big game against them. Yeah, you mentioned Watt being on the COVID list. I think that's huge. They obviously have some other good players there. But still, yeah, I, I could easily see this being a bounce-back moment for Lamar. Like, 
he just didn't play well on Sunday night. Like sometimes guys just have bad games, right? And that was, I think, just a bad game. I'm not worried about that at all. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like you're right. This could be a higher scoring affair, maybe than Vegas and the public thinks that it could be. It's just Steelers. I mean, look, the Steelers got into a shootout type of game with the Chargers, right? So it is possible. Yeah, we'll see. Again, that's ugly and against uh, contrarian, but um, it, it, I could see it though because both these offenses are, are definitely due for some regression positively. Yeah, no question about that. Um, not like the Ravens can really put too much pressure on Ben Roethlisberger. All that's like everybody can put pressure on Ben Roethlisberger at this point. So, <laughs> one of the other defenses that's down there at the bottom since Week Eight, thirty second actually, is the Minnesota Vikings. It sounds like Jamal Williams is going to get this start, maybe a potentially a few more beyond this week, depending on DeAndre Swift's status. Where are you going to rank Jamal Williams, the guy who went five for five in terms of targets uh, to catches on Thanksgiving? Yeah, this Godwin um, is is the backup there is definitely interesting. Uh, but I, I ranked wow, I, I, Jamal Williams is my 18th running back right now, and that setup. Um, also, Minnesota, another Ian Harditz tweets. Uh, Vikings are the only defense without a single cornerback graded among PFF's top 80 corners and coverage. Yeah, so, I, I mean, it's a, it's a problem, the whole uh, defense there. But I can't exactly recommend any Detroit receiver because I will say this. One of Amon St. Brown or Khalif Raymond or Josh Reynolds will have a very good fantasy game. I just can't tell you which one. Yeah, who knows which one would be. Maybe Josh, you just stick with Josh Reynolds for like the uh, the Rams narrative or whatever uh, there in Detroit. But yeah, I, I I agree, man. Like This Vikings defense is just not good. And they've had a lot of injuries. They have had a lot of like in and out absences with, you know, guys with COVID, that type of stuff. So yeah, I, I feel like Jamal Williams, though, he's not the same style of back as DeAndre Swift. Obviously, DeAndre Swift is super explosive. Uh, he's one of the top 10 guys in breakaway percentage, everything like that. And we know he's great as a pass catcher, but Williams like is a grinder that can get the job done. I wouldn't mind stashing the former safety Dallas, uh, as you mentioned, but like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Jamal Williams is kind of like a set it and forget it guy this week. And Everson Griffin, uh, who knows if he's going to be able to return anytime soon. And, you know, after yeah. watching these games, life and death, both DeAndre Swift leave for the Lions and then uh, Cordero oh, yeah, Patterson yeah. with the Falcons. It's pretty hard to, to tell this guy that running backs don't matter in the NFL because, man, I mean, that Lions offense really suffered after Swift left. And, uh, you know, we all saw CPAT be the be the absolute hero that he was Sunday, too. But, yes, uh, all seriousness, I do like Jamal Williams as a top 20 fantasy back this week. By the way, just 16 bucks in Yahoo Daily Fantasy is Jamal Williams this week. So yeah, Detroit is a good offensive on... line. Yeah, solid offensive yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. And the pass catching, too. I think that's the big thing that, like, they have thrown. Remember when he had, like, what, eight catches on nine targets in week yep. one? Like, he can catch the ball, even if he's obviously not, like, an explosive athlete as a DeAndre Swift is. So, yeah, I think Williams, I agree. Top 20 play, lock it in. And, like, I'm definitely playing him at 16 bucks in Daily Fantasy, that's for sure. Hey, one running back, I mentioned week one, uh, one running back that I thought was going to be awesome from the jump in week one, but finally looks like the guy that I drafted him to be in August. And I mean, I drafted the hell out of Antonio Gibson, buddy. Uh, Antonio Gibson leads the NFL in with 72 carries the last three weeks, wow. eight runs of 15 plus yards. He's got nine catches on nine targets. It sounds like J.D. McKissick is, you know, it was a really scary looking injury, but we'll see what happens with him. It didn't, it, you know, he's quote, he was quote good after the game, whatever that means. Um, we'll see what happens there. But dude, Antonio Gibson finally just getting the absolute bell cow uh, workload for, for the uh, Washington football team. 
Oh, a season I seven target secured them all Monday night. And yeah, McKissick missing practice still scary looking injury carted off. So yeah, his arrow is pointing way up Gibson and you like the matchup with the Raiders this week too. So yeah, I have him ranked aggressively as my number nine fantasy back this week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, dude, but what I, I obviously you got to rank him aggressively this week. What about rest of season though? Like yeah. I think, are, are we, where are we at with Gibson? Like, are we talking top 15? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Especially if you're going to get the targets and looking healthy, healthier than he was really in the year and seeing that kind of volume. Uh, and Heineke's been totally competent. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. A top top 12 ish, you know, RB1, back in RB1. Taylor yeah. There Heineke. you go. Like, yeah. There we go. Yeah, the, the ODU's yeah. finest. Got nice. the shirt on. <laughs> oh, and that Logan we... Thomas, speaking of your guy, he had that. Pride, it gave me a heart uh... attack. Again, that cost, that cost a couple months of my life that they just ruled that. You know, oh, yeah. That's that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's Thomas. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was a close one too. But yeah, I know that you like the like the the Thomas to Heineke connection reemerging. We almost got the Virginia stack, Dalton. We almost <laughs> the state almost brought it home for you. So there you go. Um, okay, a couple guys just comparing between Antonio Gibson. Like I would say, these guys are like non obvious, you know, fringe RB one, RB two types. Just bunch the whichever. Okay, AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones. Which, would you rather have Gibson over both or one yeah. or the other? Yes, I'd rather Gibson over both. Yes, I think the other two will will will, will too much of a too much of a timeshare. Fifty fifty. Yeah, I'd rather Gibson. Which one do you think? But, but sidebar, there's a chance AJ Dillon could be like better than Aaron Jones the rest of the season, don't you think? Yeah, and especially with I don't know how serious that knee sprain was. Yeah, fifty fifty split and fifty fifty chance who's better. I would give right now. Yeah, I don't feel strongly there at all. And Dillon's just so so good, and the fact that he's doing so well as a receiver. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and he's a real deal. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Henderson or Antonio Gibson? Oh, Gibson. I mean, Henderson, I wrote about him in DFS. I like the setup this week. And the guy's quad like has an iffy for this this week already. I mean, no, d- definitely Gibson with his injury history with Henderson's. Yeah. Your guy, Cordero Patterson. Oh, come on. Yeah. So I haven't ranked back to back this week. It's a tough <laughs> matchup. Patterson, you know, the injury, the high ankle sprain. Man, most people takes oh, eight weeks, mere mortals. But two weeks later, CPAT's out there dominating. Um, that's a close one. I ha- wow. Mere I don't feel mortals. strongly there. <laughs> I don't feel strongly there. Uh, yeah, I guess that one's tough. slightly Patterson, man. They use him. Ooh, he looks slightly, so good. That, whatever. It's I a agree. close one. Yeah. Yeah. But, I think it's slightly Patterson, but very, very slightly. How about um, the fact um, you can Elijah use him at wide receiver? I mean, that helps. Yeah, too. that helps. That helps for sure. Um, how about Elijah Mitchell or Anthony Gibson? I'll go Homer and say Elijah Mitchell, but man, he's very injury prone. I mean, it has been one thing after another with him, but I, I, I like Mitchell. Just the fact he got six targets last week too. And it's the Niners offense versus Washington. So g- give me Mitchell. And then I'd probably take Swift if we knew he was just going to miss one game, but but oh yeah, yeah Gibson, right no now. no no, there's a who they have no incentive to bring him back, and those shoulder the history of shoulder problems with him. At, uh, no, I think there's a. Oh, I'm sorry, that, I'm thinking that's more Cook's history with him, but still, there's no incentive to bring Swift back. So yeah, but you know they're trying to they're trying to win a they're trying to win one a game, game a game yeah a, a game that's that's true. Dan yeah. Dan Campbell wants to win one game. That's fair. Just that's get fair. me one. That's yeah, right. I think so. And then obviously guys all like Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara, Najee Harris, yeah. Nick Chubb, Zeke. Those guys are all over Gibson though, right? Oh, I mean, I could see the argument for Zeke you say there, but um, certainly yeah. Fournette. Unbelievable how much he's emerged as a total, total obvious uh, workhorse. But yeah, no, the Zeke, that's a whole nother. We'll get to that for the Thursday night game. But he he would be, mm, I could definitely see the argument for Gibson. Actually, I, I will say I'd rather Gibson than Zeke moving forward. I feel like we'll know the answer to that definitely after this week, like after Thursday night. We'll know like the whole hedging on the workload, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, All right. We're going to stay on running backs here. I'm going to give you these two random players and you have to tell me who they both are. Okay. Running back comps since week 10 player a 37 carries 3.7 yards per carry 21 targets, 
9.9 yards per catch. Player B, 38 carries, 4.8 yards per carry, 24 targets, 5.5 yards per catch. Any guesses as to who these two guys are? No, I'm trying here too, and it would just sound foolish. I can't come up with it. No, who who is? I don't. I mean, there's there's a lot of targets there. I don't know. A lot of targets. The, the McKissick receiving types? backs. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Hines, who is it? 21 targets. Hines and Taylor. Is that who is it? No, 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 no. 21 targets. No, the carries. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of all the targets myself in my head. Okay, who is it? Player A is Austin Eckler. 21 targets. That makes sense. Player B, the guy you just mentioned, Leonard Fournette. I mean, (laughs) guy has the most targets in this span since week 10. It's like Tom Brady will literally turn anybody into a receiving back. But like Leonard Fournette just owns that backfield, man. Totally owns it. Again, even if he seeds a touchdown rush to Ronald Jones, he still scores four. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he looked, and it's a great matchup against the Falcons this week. So, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing what that, it, that Fournette is, uh, I mean, really he has an argument to be a top five fantasy back right now. Yeah. He's like, if you play in any like playoff contests or whatever, he is going to be just like the guy to get there because the Bucks could legitimately win the Super Bowl. You know, that's one thing. But yeah, I mean, he's a locked top 10 back. I think you could push him even higher than that. It's crazy just how good Leonard Fournette is in fantasy right now. When it comes to like running back stash season, because this is about that time of the year, right? When, you know, obviously you should start, even if you don't have Leonard Fournette on your roster, you want like Leonard Fournette's backup. Obviously though, if and that, that is Ronald Jones, like, right. You want to have Ronald Jones. Like he should, I think be almost a hundred percent rostered, even though he's not like, I think he should be on benches just in case Leonard Fournette gets hurt. But is there any logic to also potentially stashing geo? Because, you know, at the same time, they're never going to give geo this. T- I mean, they're never going to give geo the rushing workload, but they're never going to give Ronald Jones that passing workload. You know what I mean? What by that? Yeah, I do. Ronald Jones would definitely, they'd both play more is a problem if Fournette went down, but I would prefer I know, Ronald yeah. Jones, even with the lack of receiving, there's upside there. He's, I still believe he's good with a football in his hands. He'll probably fumble or miss an assignment. Oh, I between. forgot. I forgot. I forgot about <laughs> our talking week to the Ronald one Jones text. Truther yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Uh, but no, Uncle Lenny has proven me wrong emphatically. I mean, wow, just he's dominated there and it wasn't even like a Ronald Jones injury or something. But um, no, I think Ronald Jones absolutely should be stashed on benches along with the Sony Michels and look at Madison's, you know, those guys are, are looking huge. So he's uh, he's absolutely uh, um, right up there uh, that needs to be be on benches for sure. I was just talking to our boss, uh, Jason Klobaka, right before we got on the pod here. And, you know, he was like, I can't believe he said something like I can't believe Madison was available and like, you know, or only rostered in 44 percent of leagues or available in 44 percent of leagues. I'm like, I'm like, people get just they just love to churn like goofballs at the back end of their roster that are like having good games. And when a player like Madison doesn't play forever, then they just drop him. But it's like, this is why you got to have these guys on the back end of your roster. Like, what's more valuable? Some, you know, Josh Reynolds who pops up for a decent game or something? Or, like, people love to churn those type of guys because they just scored a lot of points last week. But come on, like, you'd rather have Ronald Jones on your bench. Just like, man, if you had, imagine if you had Alexander Madison, you started him that one couple, the couple weeks that Dalvin Cook didn't play, and then you cut him. And now he's like back to being a top five running back this week again. You absolutely hate yourself. So make sure the Sony Michelles are stashed make sure um the you know Ronald Jones again I think Marlon Mack is a player to, to put in this category as well Samaje P Ryan maybe even these guys should all be on your roster is not left to the waiver wire yeah Madison comes in with fresh legs here in the fantasy playoffs and could easily be a top three overall fantasy player down this when it matters most I mean that's just the, the, the nature of fantasy football 
Yes, it absolutely is. Uh, Carlos Hyde, James Robinson is going to get hurt, and like Carlos Hyde is going to have an RB one week here. I mean, he plays on the worst offense in the NFL, but like these, that's how these random things like that happen. These random things like that definitely happen. All right, I want to talk about the Dolphins offense here real quick. They read a really good piece in the Ringer uh, from Ben Solak, who uh, wrote about Tua and all the RPO stuff. I wanted to just put this on the pod here. Tua leads all quarterbacks in play action rate at 43%. He's the only guy, which is, by the way, 43 is absurd. It's also absurd uh, how high we've gone play action rate in general. Like several years ago, it was like guys wouldn't even get to 20%. Now Tua, 43%. Second place is Kyler with 37. Lamar is the 36 at third place. Where like where are you at with this Dolphins offense? Like, how, what do you make of the Tua kind of resurgence? I know obviously a lot of it is all RP, it is very RPO based. I think part of that can be that they have an offensive line that's really bad. Uh, they need to get the ball out quickly. Um, they don't have a ton of receivers, although maybe Devontae Parker is coming back. I don't know if Parker really fits into this type of offensive system. Um, what do you make of the Tua resurgence? Yeah, so maybe I had to do with lower expectations, but I've really come around on two over the last six weeks. So he passes the eye test, a seemingly a poor offensive line, and not many weapons other than Waddle, who's definitely the real deal and has outscored Jamar Chase over the last seven weeks in fantasy points. Um, wow. But then that exactly, I was going to go there, that uh, Ben Solak uh, piece, um, I like like him, and he, he convinced me that there's something to this, uh, that he's great at RPO, but that's it. And he claims that the the stats show he's actually uh, to has dealt with the below average uh, league average um, pressure rate and 40th and a dot. So, you know, I don't know. He's an interesting guy to pay attention to moving forward. That hip surgery was serious. So it made sense to me that it would take him a year yeah. to get adjusted. And um, yeah, to me, he's uh, it's been very, very encouraging. And I've liked what I've seen. But yeah, you look at those stats and it's like, uh oh, maybe the RPO reliance is, is something to pay attention to for sure. For fantasy, though, for the next two weeks, he gets the Giants and the Jets. It oh, yeah. toughens up a little bit after that with the Saints uh, and the Titans and then finishes with the Patriots. There's some kind of hit or miss elements there with the Saints and the Titans. But these next two weeks, like, two is probably uh, – if you have Jalen Hurts, I have Jalen Hurts in the league, and I'm, I'm, I I'm picked up Tua as, like, an insurance policy because I think he can be – he can get you through these next two weeks if Jalen Hurts is banged up. Also, just – he's been good. He's been pretty good in fantasy of late. Oh, yeah. Uh, and – like I said, Parker getting back probably can help, even though I don't think he fits in this like quick strike over the middle RPO based offense. And yeah, Jalen Waddle, man, guys on pace for a hundred catches. And I think he's looks better now than he did at any point during the year, which like he's another guy coming back from a injury ruined final season in college with that ankle. Like I think he just looks he's been looking incredible lately. Yeah, and in July there was the reports that the ankle was still affecting him. I shied way off in my drafts, but he looks fan- yeah, he looks he, like the real deal. And the targets have been there. He's just so 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 safe to rank in the top fifteen every week too. But it would be nice to see Tua with a healthy Will Fuller and Parker to go along with Waddle and Gasicki. Oh, but um, yeah, Fuller. it just has not been the case this year. But no, I, I will say that I'm I, I'm in on Tua, and I think that I'm encouraged what I've seen. I expect uh, I'm I'm very uh very encouraged moving forward. But um, it is interesting to see how over reliant he was. He's been on RPO. The question really becomes what happens with the Dolphins next year? Like, do they continue to chase like the pie in the sky Deshaun Watson thing? Or do they just build like an offense around Tua and see how far that can go? You know, like see how far he can take them. I compared him several weeks ago. By the way, like I didn't realize this until I saw Ben 
uh, Ben's mentions after writing that piece and like a few other people chiming in, there is like a rabid to a defense uh, club among Dolphins, uh, Dolphins fans right now. And I guess I should have realized that because I compared him to Andy Dalton several uh, like prime Andy Dalton several weeks ago. Um, I think over a month ago now before this whole big stretch. And it was like people did not like that. And I was like, I think people are forgetting that like Andy Dalton had some really good years, you know? I mean, I guess they think he's like the next Drew Brees or something or whatever, but I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we're in a pretty good spot with Tua. I'll say that. Yeah. No argument here. Yeah. And, and there'll be no slander with Andy Dalton here after his Thanksgiving uh, performance. That's true. Right. We're, <laughs> we're rocking with MVPs like Andy Dalton, Cordero Patterson, and the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia, almost Logan Thomas. So uh, there you go. Uh, all right. Let's kind of transition into Thursday night football and we'll do it with this stat here. Tony Pollard ranks seventh in breakaway percentage uh, among backs with a hundred uh, rushing attempts so far this year. Do where are you at with this whole, like, Ian Rappaport says they're going to lower Tony Paul or they're going to lower Zeke's workload. Zeke is like, eh, ain't nobody told me that. And then Jerry Jones, obviously Jerry Jones loves Zeke. He's all up on his radio station. Like Zeke's getting the full load or whatever, uh, you know, this, this week against the saints, where are we, uh, do you buy any of this sort of speculation that maybe they scale Zeke back in favor of Tony Pollard? Like, I feel like that's been the boogeyman on fantasy Twitter for like four years now. See, this is a, such a tough matchup against New Orleans, and I just have no clue what to make of it. And, and Zeke's injury scares me so much. I would just avoid it in the single-game DFS. There's plenty of other pivots here, yeah. especially with Taysom Hill, just $20. Um, and this pod may not age well because there's so many situations we're not unsure of here with Amari Cooper, but does he play or not? And that would affect Gallup and Schultz quite a bit. Yeah, um, I, right. I think CeeDee Lamb's going to have a good game, and he's back fully healthy. And uh, uh, regardless, uh, could be Lattimore on Cooper if Cooper does play. So I expect, uh, I ranked Dak Prescott as my number one fantasy QB this week. The Saints quietly have over the last six weeks been that. And I said the Ravens were number two. Saints have been the most favorable fantasy opponent for quarterbacks quietly and really tough yeah. against the run too. So you got a banged up Zeke, tough against the run, a healthy old lineback though. Um, it's the first time all year, I believe Dallas, if Cooper plays, that they'll have Collins, Smith and, and all those the skill positions together in a game. So um, I could see uh, Dallas getting right after the disappointment in uh, Thanksgiving. So I expect a very uh, productive passing game from Prescott with or without Cooper in the lineup. Yes, it sounds like Cooper is trending towards playing. Like last I read, it, it seemed like it was getting pretty good. But I agree, CeeDee Lamb playing in the slot, like most likely uh, the, at least the the like 60% slot guy among this receiver core, even uh, even if Cooper's not out there, you know, like Cedric Wilson was a guy who kind of played in the slot a little totally. bit, but like, he's out, you know, he, yeah, he's, he's out. out so yeah. exactly. So that like, even then it's like, okay, Noah Brown is not like a realistic target demander. So then you're dealing with Gallup and lamb, or even if it's Gallup, Cooper and lamb, CD lamb is still going to get that slot work. That is advantageous with Marshawn Lattimore on the other side, probably not messing around with Zeke in the whole, um, in the whole single game DFS thing, I agree with you there, although he can easily just slam in two touchdowns at any point. Mm-hmm. That's always totally. possible. Tony Pollard had uh, 17 touches against the Falcons in week 10. That was his high water mark. Well, he had 18 touches against the Giants. Another huge win, 44 to 20 there. Obviously, the Falcons game, they blew him out 43 to 3. So I don't know, man. I'm always very skeptical of like the Cowboys are suddenly going to make Tony Pollard like a huge feature piece. I, I'm always skeptical of that idea. Totally right about the Zeke just falling in for two touchdowns. Uh, totally could happen. And he's even getting the targets. His yards per carry has not been that bad. But the Saints are the number one run defense in DOA yes. 
for what it's worth. And then on the flip side, another injury situation that I don't even, I, I don't want to predict Kamara or Ingram. I don't know what's going to go, go on in that backfield. That's why I think, uh, I think I would stick with both passing games and DFS here. And I expect a big, big game from Prescott and then Taysom Hill. I, I love him. And I got him in a multi-quarterback uh, dynasty league here. Um, but the foot injury scares me. I don't know if that's going to affect his mobility as far as like, you know, rushing stats for fantasy, but certainly uh, his, his, uh, his insertion in the starter is definitely more exciting than Simeon. I have to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to play Taysom Hill in a in a super flex dynasty league because Aaron Rodgers is on bye and um let's just say my other my third quarterback options have not worked out thus far a lot of goofballs there anyways yeah so I got to start Taysom Hill there I I'm with you I hope it works out F- feels like a pretty good spot for Taysom Hill I mean the offense is just so different though Dalton than what we saw he, he was great in fantasy last year we know that but like he at least had Mike Thomas he had 100% Alvin Kamara for that the, that time this is a very different looking unit I mean you say like stick to the passing games with both these teams who is the passing game in New Orleans know, you yeah, know yeah how about $11 Jawan Johnson with uh with Troutman out it's the only way I could fit in my uh the lineup I could figure out but yeah no it's a, yeah it's a Traquan Smith is kind of emerged as the number one receiver I thought there. I was gonna just I was gonna bring up uh Traquan Smith what's yeah. what's the interest level yeah uh, mild I will say that Teron Armstead might miss this game left tackle New Orleans and Demarcus Lawrence Ryan is Ramchick supposedly too. gonna return to Demar- Demarcus Lawrence is scheduled to return too so this could get 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 ugly for New Orleans here it's been a rough stretch here with, with dealing with injuries because I mean even Taysom Hill might be out there you know with minimal practice and uh, half half mild uh, half torn plantar fascia on one of his feet so not not ideal yeah uh let's put it this way I thought that the Cowboys would blow out the Raiders on Thanksgiving. Obviously, that didn't happen. So take my yeah. We we know eighty of the one twenty had the Cowboys. Unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. What a what a win! I that's so sharp of you to pick the Bears. That was well done, well done. I let's we'd already used though, the like, Cowboys in fairness, but go ahead. <laughs> I sh- just let me give you credit. Dalton. Thank you. Let thank me give you some, let me give you some credit on that one. I am uh, I'm sitting here thinking about like you know Thursday night football. Um, I really want to watch. I really want to watch the Cowboys. Would love, always love to, to watch Cowboys on TV. Uh, good stuff. They're great theater this year. But my fiance really wants us to go to the Christmas tree lighting up on Main Street here in El Segundo City Hall. Well, she wants to be there. That, but that's at 7 p.m. I'm thinking, man, let's just get a couple big, you know, a couple big plays. Let's get, let's blow out, let's blow out the Saints early. That's what I'll be rooting for. I have no, I have no skin in the game here. But I will be rooting for an early dismissal uh, from Thursday Night Football so that uh, I don't get. Um, I don't get I don't get thrown in the doghouse for uh, not going to the cute little Christmas tree lighting. My daughter Chloe has an indoor soccer game about seven o'clock that night, so I'm with you. Let's get a blowout by halftime and let's go do our family <laughs> duties. Harmon, sounds good to me. We suck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we're terrible we're terrible but uh you know it is what it is yeah so that's what we're rooting for um obviously we can talk you know there's a lot more strategy stuff into the single game daily fantasy thing but it feels like a pretty straightforward piece of analysis overall but anyways i think that's going to do it for us uh dalton but we will of course keep the conversation going on twitter tell us uh, what you got coming up this week though my sit start column friday and a pod with liz loza and follow me on twitter uh, at dalton Daldon. Boom. Yeah, there you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. If you want fantasy analysis and news updates from the entire team, give a follow to at Yahoo Fantasy. And of course, 
hey, let me plug a podcast here for you. There's a lot going on in the college football world. USC stole Oklahoma's coach. Uh, LSU stole Notre Dame's coach. And the fun doesn't end there. Get caught up on the biggest stories in college football and with the latest episode of College Football Inquirer. Look for it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. As Dalton mentioned, he'll be back with a preview of Sunday's NFL games with Liz Lozer tomorrow. But until then, we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.